And the thing is, some people know all of this that I've told you, the history, and they still defend it. And why is that? It's because they're invested in it. They have already been teaching it. They have already promoted it in their church. To Then to come up and say, well, I was wrong. I shouldn't have been telling you guys to do this. <laughs> that, takes, that takes a lot. And very few people, there are a few people who are doing that, but not, not to the extent that's needed. You're listening to The Pantry Podcast, part of the Spark Podcast Network, now playing on the Edify app. Hey, I'm Shay. And I'm Michelle. And this is The Pantry Podcast, Season 8, Road to Revelation. We're here to help you crave a healthier spiritual diet by teaching you to ask the right questions, seek the right answers in the right place, God's Word, and break free of the junk food the world wants to shove down your throat. We live in a broken world. We can fall down in despair or rise up for our wedding day. This season, we're looking at what it really means to be the bride of Christ in the end times and the many things we can learn from the book of Revelation that will guide us today, tomorrow, and to the end of time. Join us and fellow listeners from 47 states and 66 countries as we marinate on the Word of God, clear the junk from our pantries, and feast on real, everlasting food. Support the show by sharing this episode with two friends that need a godly snack and becoming a partner at patreon.com slash thepantrypodcast for as low as $5 a month. And now let's dig into the meal. Hey. Hello. And it's exciting to be here as always. Yes, yes. Oh on my, a oh my goodness, on a bright hey. and sunny day yeah, as right? well. Not right? that anyone can tell, but although it, it has some snow, it's been kind of fun, so it's always <laughs> yeah. awesome. Hey, we got a new country, Austria. Welcome yes. aboard Austria. It yes. is awesome. Thank you for all of our listeners who constantly listen. Uh, we're, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that you join us. Um, today's episode, we're gonna be talking about Trojan horses. Yeah. It's kind of cool. The episode title actually is Trojan Horse. I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, right? Right? Real original there. But hey, when I was looking up at Trojan Horse, um, I'm looking at a definition, and, and I, I looked up the, the, the English definition. You know, right. I just went with right. regular. A program that appears desirable, but actually contains something harmful. Mm-hmm. Very, very imp- important in this conversation today. Right. A subversive group that supports the enemy and engages in espionage or sabotage an enemy in your midst. Um, I would, man, I would sit there right there and be like, "Ooh, Satan!" Right? But, or, or you know, or, or you know, flesh <laughs> or, or whatever, self, whatever right, self, right. you know, world flesh and and you know the enemy, right? Um, but when I really started thinking about this, I, uh, Matthew thirteen twenty five came up and it's, uh, "But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat." And went his way. Mm. Um, there's an infiltration of the church, and there's some things that I've been looking at that was laid on my heart about the enneagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, ask God, pray about, pray to God, and then I mean, I'm telling you, I feel like God brought our guest today. Yeah. So we have an amazing guest that we're really excited for, and as always, I will be reading the bio because it's incredibly impressive and extensive. So Marsha Montenegro is the author of Spellbound: The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids, and founded the outreach ministry Christian Answers for the New Age. But before this, she practiced as a professional astrologer for eight years, which included taking two years of coursework and a seven-hour exam to become certified. So it wasn't just a little hobby in the corner. She was very well-versed in that. And she experienced and participated in many new age, occult and Eastern beliefs and practices such as inner light consciousness, meditation, psychic development, tarot, past life regression, spirit contact, astral travel, and even received a spirit guide through a guided visualization. God has redeemed her extensive background in the new age and mystic ways of life. And now she's able to minister and speak to it worldwide. So welcome, Marcia. It's awesome to have you. Hi, Michelle and Shay. It's so nice to be with you guys today. Thank you for having me on your program. Oh, man, it's it's our blessing. Yeah, no, thank you, because I think 
There's other Trojan horses. I think anything that, you know, glorifies self and not the Lord, Trojan horse. But this one seems to be, and we'll let you speak to this, but it just seems to be so pervasive because of how many masks it can wear, you know, and how many different ways it can come in. And I mean, it's pretty much, it's it's very extensive. So can you start out by letting everyone know, because I didn't even touch on everything that you were a part of or are familiar with, but can you let people know what made you leave all of that? Because even Christians will agree that's kind of juicy and t- tantalizing for the world, like before you come to Christ. But what made you leave all of that stuff and then go to the Lord? Okay, well, <clears throat> yes, I was very deeply immersed and committed. I was committed to astrology for sure. And I was following um, Eastern spiritual ideas as part of all of that new age. Right. Um, and I had no desire to, you know, find something else. I wasn't disillusioned or anything like that. Um, you know, it was, it was just clearly the Lord intervening in my life and he, mm intervened in um, a very kind of unusual way. It wasn't like somebody came up to me and started talking to me about Christ or anything like that. Um, Now, I had gone to church when I was younger, so I had been exposed to the basics of Christianity, but I, I never connected with it. It never made sense to me. And I began to question it, you know, around age 14, 15, um, question the Bible, question the whole Christian package, so to speak, which I didn't I didn't understand. I never got the gospel that and that never right. got through to me for whatever reason. So I, I just rejected it all. Um, and so I wasn't searching for something else. And God intervened in my life and um, it gave me this compulsion to go to a church, which. Um, I thought was very odd. Of course, I didn't know God was doing this. This was just this compulsion to go to a church, which seemed extremely strange to me. And I just resisted it for months. I mean, for months, several months, <laughs> from like about <laughs> April till September. Um, and and it just it just wouldn't go away. So I decided I would go to a church and I rationalized it in my mind that I probably had an unresolved issue from a previous Christian life. Mm. And that was my way to. Right. Anything that works. (laughs) I had to give myself a reason, you know, because I didn't go to church, of course. And I'm like, here I am. I'm thinking of going to church. Why am I doing this? So I gave myself a reason. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go there. There's some kind of issue. I felt I had been a Christian in a few previous lifetimes. I should say I believed in reincarnation, and that's what I'm referencing here. Right. I believe that after people die, they go somewhere. And where they go and what happens, there's a lot of different different views on that. That is not – there's not a consistent answer at all. It was very hard for me to do, but I went into a church – and I sat in the back because I was planning to leave early. So, see, my idea was, okay, <laughs> I will stay here for 15 or 20 minutes, and then I'm going to go out the door. Right. <laughs> so I was in the back at the edge of the pew, so I could leave, you know, very quietly and quickly. The service began with music and with a procession from the back of the church, led by a young boy carrying a cross. 
And as he came down the aisle and walked past me, I felt what I call a waterfall of love falling on me and through me. Um, It was very powerful. I knew it was not the music. It was not the people. Um, I, in fact, I knew this was from God, but not the God I believed in. Yeah. And then at the same time, my belief is that God is like an energy that we all come from and go back to. So those two are not compatible. Um, um, And so I didn't know how to process this at all. And I just left. I stayed for the whole service, but I left very confused. Mm. Um, But I decided that I wasn't going to let anything take me off my spiritual path. And so I continued doing what I was doing, but I also went back to the church just because I kind of wanted to be there. Mm. And within a few weeks, I got an impression um, from this same God that he didn't like astrology. Now, all this time, I know this is hard to explain because I wasn't hearing a voice. It's not like I heard this voice, Marsha, you have to give astrology up. There was absolutely never any voice. It was an impression. Was, that's the right. best word I know. But it was very, very clear and very strong. After resisting it, just I realized I just had to do it. And I actually gave astrology up. And it was as I was reading the Bible a few weeks later, right before Christmas, as I was reading a a portion of Matthew 8, that I got open my eyes and I saw who Jesus really was. I saw that I had been separated from God my whole life, that I had been going on a wrong spiritual path and was against God, actually against God. And I realized I needed Christ. I just knew I needed Jesus. <laughs> mm, right. And, and so I just turned my life over to him. Now, I found out several uh, months later that a young man had a part-time job where I was actually working doing astrology secretly, uh, which is a kind of a side story to this. But there was a young Christian man there who had been praying for me with his uh, young adult fellowship group at his church all during that year when all of that happened. Because that happened over a period of about nine months there, what I just summarized. Um, And uh, when I tell this uh, and people hear it, what I have found from people is that it encourages them to pray for people that they have felt very hopeless about. You know, somebody who seems very committed to their belief, doesn't want to go to church with them, doesn't want to hear about, you know, the, the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, and they just feel like, what am I going to do? This per- I can't even talk to this person. Well, that God tells us to pray. And in Luke 18, 1 through 8, Jesus tells a parable of the unjust judge and the, the widow who keeps coming to him. And Jesus says, I am telling you this so that you do not lose heart in praying. And so Jesus even says why he tells the parable. (laughs) And and so I think that that my story fits in with that idea. 
Um, and so people do feel encouraged about praying for people when they hear this. And I think, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure God has many reasons for doing what he did. But I just have to say that probably one of them is so that people who hear this will be encouraged to pray. Um, I, I think it's an encouragement for prayer. And, oh, for um, sure. you know, so that's that's what happened. So I like that. It was clearly had nothing to do with me. <laughs> Right. Now, right. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm listening to this and, and I love this, you know, because I, you know, first you're talking about redemption and you're like, well, hold on, but let's back that up. I just need Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and so what I'm seeing, though, is I'm seeing two contrasts here. And, and, I, and you can you can help me with this because I think it's important to understand. Well, first of all, Jesus planted the seed. You know, he, he mm-hmm. he's not a Trojan horse. That dude just he infiltrated. <laughs> he infiltrated. So here, here's an impression. All right. Now, now you just go about your business and I'll just keep working on this. But <laughs> but there's a, there's a contrast in here in the two things. You know, when you're thinking of Eastern uh, spirituality and, and, and stuff like that or, or some of the other things, a cult, you know, new age, um, there's two contrasts that I really look at here. And I look at one and one is about how you do it. And the other one is about how God does it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in your story, we're hearing that. It's like, okay, you were always like, I'm going to do astrology. I'm going to, my spiritual, my spiritual, my spiritual, my spiritual. And then all of a sudden God comes in, uh, my spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and so in that, in that idea though, we're, we're talking about infiltration and we're talking about hint, subtle hints that are going into the church. Um, Cause it's important for us as church people to recognize these things um, because they, they they have an impact on us. And in fact, in the parable of the tear, mm-hmm. you know, he's like, well, hey, should I go out and pull this up? No, 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 don't pull it up. You're going to uproot some other things. But we need to recognize it. It's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that you're seeing are being subtly brought into the church? You know, how is that subtleness being done to where we're starting to fall into these traps? Like, I, I'm, I'm going to just say it out here right now. Enneagram, I, I, I see uh, the church. And not all the churches. So some church rejects it. Some churches really though taking it in and like accepting that as an identity. Like this is my identity. Right. And to me, that's a conflict. Again, like your story. You know, your spiritualness, my identity, the world telling me who I am, or what is God doing? And right. so, how do you see that? Uh, exactly. The way that you roll. Exactly. Um, yes. And let me just say here that's really important to understand that the new age. Uh, new age things always appear helpful and positive. They don't ever appear evil. Um, and often they appear to be uh, very, um, they're very spiritual in a way that will seem Christian or compatible with Christianity because sometimes, you know, the scripture is used, the Bible's used in new age endeavors. And this is just the nature of the New Age. It is a patchwork of different beliefs. And there's a spectrum of beliefs in it that go from very Gnostic to what we call New Thought, which is positive thinking. And if you think a certain way, you'll make things happen with your thoughts. Um, you'll attract good things with positive thinking and, and all of that kind of stuff. Affirmations, that's all new from New Thought. And then you've got Eastern spirituality in there, Buddhism and Hinduism and Taoism. And the New Age is this patchwork of all those things. So it's extremely varied. And because of that and because it melts things together, it's hard for people to recognize because it's not just one thing that you can describe. Like if I was going to warn you about the Mormons, I could tell you what they believe. This is what they believe. And they say things like this. 
and I could pretty much sum it up. But with the new age, it's just all over the place. (laughs) You know, it's all over the place. So you have to really be, as the Bible says, on guard and vigilant. Um, And this Enneagram, I think, is a very good example of of this kind of deception because it appears to be helpful and positive. Nothing about it um, initially seems bad. I mean, it seems like, oh, here's this tool that can help us uh, know, understand, can understand myself and other people. Um, And this is how this is how it has gained so much ground in the church. Um, The Enneagram actually is not about your personality. The original Enneagram was a diagram of the laws of the universe from this man named Gurdjieff in 1916. That's the first known appearance of the Enneagram, contrary to what all the Enneagram books and teachers say, which is that it's ancient. That's not true. So it went from this diagram being used by this teacher in very kind of Gnostic esoteric teachings through his student, Uspensky. Then in the 1960s, this man named Oscar Chazo got hold of the Enneagram, and he was an occult teacher. He had a school in Eureka, Chile. If you went to his school, you had to sign um, an agreement that you would not share anything you learned in his school. Mm-hmm. He taught it as the, the an enneagram is a diagram with a nine sided di- diagram with nine points, and he uh, labeled each of the nine points with the seven deadly sins, and then he added two sins so that there would be nine. <laughs> but <laughs> now, a lot of people just because of that, they try to trace it back to this fourth century monk named Evagrius Ponticus, who's the first one who wrote about the seven deadly sins, and he used that label. But he didn't do the Enneagram. He did diagrams of numbers, but not the Enneagram. And now, the, now, so a lot of people think, well, here he's talking about the seven deadly sins, then that's some kind of Christian influence, right? No, because think about it. He's okay. He's from Bolivia and he's in the country of Chile. And at that time, and it's still true, although not as true as it was, Latin America was a very heavily Roman Catholic country. So everybody there gets exposed to the Catholic Church. They all get baptized in the Catholic Church. Now, a lot of them later leave it, you know, or they they go to church, but they aren't really. Uh, don't really know the Bible or anything. So that's another issue. But you have a a heavily Catholic country where people are just, that's the normal thing. You're Catholic. Everybody's Catholic. And all these people at his school, most of them are, are from the same culture. So, of course, it's natural to use the spirituality you know. Not only that, but it's a way to make it seem okay for people. It makes it seem biblical because you're talking about these sins. But what he taught was that these nine things around the Enneagram that were the the sins, he called them ego fixations. And he said, this, you are a certain number here. Maybe your ego fixation is number three. That means that as you grew up and experienced life, You took in teachings from people. People told you who you were or how you should be, what you should be like. You were conditioned by the culture and by your parents and by the church 
to believe a certain way about yourself. Now, this is what he taught. I'm not saying this. This is what he said. (laughs) Everybody's born with a pure essence and it gets covered up with all of this false conditioning. And then you think that's who you are. So he said, you have to deconstruct that to Mm -hmm. uncover the true essence. Now, this is a very typical occult and new age teaching. And this is your ego, your false self. But underneath is this true in the new age, they would say a true divine essence or true divine self, the inner self, the spiritual self or the higher self. So there are all kinds of different terms in the new age. Usually higher self is very popular. His he had a student named Claudio Naranjo, who was a Chilean psychiatrist. And he was on a spiritual journey after his only son had died. He went to Ichazo's school. He learned the Enneagram. And then he went and started teaching it in California at this very edgy, edgy place called um, uh, Esalen, E-S-A-L-E-N. If you Google that, you'll find its history It's is very colorful. <laughs> it's colorful and edgy. <laughs> Um, it was very, it was a wild place. I mean, I heard about this place. You know, it started, I think, in the, started sometime in the 60s. It was a place where where uh, people went with their experimental psychology and spirituality. So people that were, and at that time in the culture, all of this was kind of bubbling up. And Esalen was like a hothouse for this. And the way he right. taught it was somewhat similar Teichazo. He taught the nine ty- only he said the nine types. And each type is a persona, but it is not the true you. You have to find the true self underneath that. You have to deconstruct that. Um, and he got into it in a more psychological way. Now I want to stop here because a lot of people heard me say it was a Chile- Chilean psychiatrist. So they're thinking, well, there's some kind of validity then to it. No, you know what his specialty was? Wait till you hear this. His specialty was psychedelic drugs. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that was his specialty. His specialty was looking at the effect of psychedelic drugs on the drink, but he didn't just study it. He participated. He did drugs. Both Ichazo and us, and um, uh, I'm sorry, and Claudio Naranjo also did spirit contact. Ichazo claimed that his school was guided by an interior master. Now, an interior master is a reference to a spirit being, a spirit guide. And there were two spirits that he claimed he got information from. Metatron was the name of one, and the Green Ketub was the name of the other. The second one is a is one connected to uh, mystical, uh, I think, either Islam or Sufism. But it's connected to Islam, but not to the normal Islamic teachings. Right. Um, so Metatron was an archangel in the Kabbalah. I've read that Ichazo had studied the Kabbalah, which is a very Gnostic type teaching. I have an article on it on my website, and I have a published article on it in the uh, Christian Research Journal. And so you have this guy, Ichazo, talking about his spirits, and then Naranjo um, claimed that he got the, most of the information for the nine types via automatic writing. Automatic writing is a form of spirit contact where you allow a spirit to control what you're writing. So 
you basically have two men a lot in <laughs> contact. Ichazo also did psychedelic drugs. He also did that. Right. Two men who did the psychedelic mind-altering drugs and did spirit contact. And that's where most of the information about the Enneagram came from. That's how it was formed and taught. Now, there was a Catholic Jesuit named um, Bob Oakes who got the teachings from Naranjo. Now, I've read different accounts. I've read that he got them from Ichazo, but I don't think so. I don't think he ever knew Ichazo. I think he got it from Naranjo because Bob Oakes was at Esalen for whatever reason. I don't know why. Hmm. He he uh, took that back to a seminary in Chicago and started teaching it, trying to make it compatible oh. with, with right. kind of a Catholic, you know, veneer to it. Uh, that's where um, a man named Mitch Pacwa learned it and a man named Richard Rohr learned it, um, or that's how they learned it. I've mentioned Mitch Pacwa, who was a Jesuit, because he actually started teaching the Enneagram, and then he invest, started investigating it and discovered its real origins and nature and started exposing it. As far as I know, he is the first person that spoke out against it. And he did that in a book around 1994 called the Catholics and the new age. But I started around that time hearing about the Enneagram in the progressive church. So these conferences for people like um, Tony Jones, Brian McLaren, Rob Bell, who were all used to be called the emergence. And now you can basically call them progressives. They were introducing the Enneagram at their conferences and so I wrote my first article on the Enneagram in 2011. So now we're like, you know, that's like 11 years ago. And the reason the progressives knew about it was because of their connection with Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan friar who runs the Center for Action and Contemplation in Albuquerque, New Mexico. His teachings are briefly, I'll just summarize them. Jesus and the Christ are distinct they're not one and the same. They have a problem right there. He talks about the universal Christ. Uh, he used to call it the cosmic Christ. Now he calls it the universal Christ. Uh, he taught that the first incarnation of Christ was creation. Okay, now think about that for a second. <laughs> the first incarnation of Christ was creation. The second one was Jesus. Mm. So Christ is in creation. Christ is in creation. And he taught Jesus did not die for sins. There was no need for anybody to die for sins because individual sin is not the problem. God does not see that as an issue. So already, I'm sure you've heard several heresies here. Um, just, just a couple. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just, like, a, just, just a, a smattering. A smattering. Yeah, just a little <laughs> smattering there of major heresies. So this is what he teaches, among other things. Um, now, okay, how did it get into these big church, a lot of mega churches, some very solid churches that were very solid or still are considered solid conservative churches? It's a book that came out in 2016 by Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron called The Road Back to You. And that book, which I think is still the most popular Enneagram book in the church, kind of broke the ground open for the Enneagram it really started spreading then. And then the following year, Chris Horitz wrote The Sacred Enneagram that came out from Zondervan. The authors of these two books are followers of Richard Rohr. 
So when you think about that, after hearing what Richard Ward believes, that should be alarming to people. But people right. did not investigate this. It took till about 2019, I think, till a, a, a large number of Christians knew what it was or had come across it. And then people right. started defending it to me. And Christians are using it as a spiritual tool. They're using it for discipleship. They're using it for team leadership among pastors or just leadership. There are pastors who actually have become Enneagram coaches and are teaching it to other pastors. Mm. And I I have not really seen it slow down. Um, and we wrote our book came out in March 2020, Richard Warren, the Enneagram Secret. And then uh, and then there we got some people with who with a lot of credibility in the Christian world who endorsed our book and started telling others about it. And it gradually the word started drifting out there. The word is kind of getting out there, but I'm still seeing the Enneagram getting staying popular. And the thing is, some people know all of this that I've told you, the history, and they still defend it. And why is that? It's because they're invested in it. They have already been teaching it. They have already promoted it in their church. To then to come up and say, well, I was wrong. I shouldn't have been telling you guys to do this. <laughs> right. That takes right. that takes a lot. Yeah. And it does. Very few people. There are a few people who are doing that, but not yeah. not to the extent that's needed. Yeah, I think. I mean, there, there's so much to unpack, but I but I've noticed se- several things in everything you said, like some patterns. One being the one that you just brought up at at the end. This in the Christian. I'll say Christian culture this time. I know we've kind of dissected what that even means, but in within the body, the authentic body of Christ, at least in our country, we are not comfortable with repentance that happens post salvation. Yeah. So we will gladly admit that we are wicked and wretched and need the Lord to come to Christ. But once we're walking the walk and talking the talk, it seems like making a mistake we forget that we are covered by grace and are more concerned with the outcomes socially yeah. of that repentance, of, you know, than anything. And I will even admit that because I was a psychology major and the Lord has been carving away all of the lies that come with that. Um, but I was a sucker for Enneagram and all anything that could help define me. And when I came to Christ, here's the second pattern that I've noticed in what you were saying that it isn't just when you think of a Trojan horse, you think of the enemy coming in with a tr- with like a wooden horse stuffed with bad stuff. Here, take this horse. But what I'm noticing in what you're saying is those that don't have a firm foundation in the Lord will create the Trojan horse for themselves mm. and pass it off for them. They have to accept the Trojan horse they build themselves and then they pass it off to others. And when I first three years in, I think I was telling pastor, like maybe we could do like a leadership Enneagram thing. And then within a year I was convicted against it, learned a lot about it. But even some of the top Christian podcasts out there 
bring up the Enneagram as part of their gimmick. Yes. And these people, it's not like everything coming out of their mouth is a lie. And I don't even, for some of them, I don't even doubt they love the Lord, but it's one of those things where we've conflated it helps, Mm -hmm. it gets the job done Mm -hmm. with, is that what God actually wants? You know, it's kind of interesting as as you put this analogy into play, right? Yeah. They've become the wooden horse. Wow, and yeah. And they're being stuffed with with uh, false ideology and now they're carry now they're being now they're moving into the church and now releasing this false ideology. Like a virus. Like a virus. <laughs> yeah, Trojan like, viruses. Like, like Trojan. So it's kind of interesting to see how this plays out and we see it in so many different aspects from um, eastern religion. Um, different things that people are adopting into the church and yes. uh, you know and, and we I mean if we if I if look if I dropped like Yoga. Don't. We'd be here for another no, hour. I know because uh, it's so like, many but, things. But, but, <laughs> but but I, I think that we have to really be careful. And and you know, um, I like Second Timothy three thirteen, where where it sits there and talks about evil people and imposters will will go on from bad to worse, right? And then it says deceiving and being deceived. But what I really like about this, and this is for the believer, because we're being told that this is happening. We're being told that there is a deception that is being played out and that we need to be wise and we need to have more discernment. And where does it tell us to go? It doesn't say go to that book about Enneagrams. It doesn't say go to that that new book about yoga that was written by a Christian. So it's called I was going to try to come up with a cool slice <laughs> name of Christian yoga. Christian yoga. I mean, that's as easy as I you guess, just slap right, Christian, Christian on it and it. people will buy but it. It says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom you have learned them. Right? And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. Right? I, I, I'm one of those guys, too, that came. Man, the whole my whole life I was trying to be identified. You know, I needed identity. I needed a place to, to, to come to a conclusion. And, and I looked for it everywhere, everywhere, and always ended up short. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, like you, when that impression hits you, and, and you know, I, I love that. That, that. that hit me the hardest out of all this. He, imp- he just put his hands of love on you. And it was like, you couldn't get rid of those handprints. Right, right. It was like, holy cow, what is this? I, I've done all of these things. I've studied all of these things. Right. I've gone down all of these roads. And here, this God, not my God, but this God, the true God, has now imprinted his love onto me. I got to know more. I got to. And then you opened the Bible. Didn't understand it, but you opened it. And the minute you opened it, he put his identity into you. Yeah. And that is my biggest thing of these things that try to help us. Self-improvement, my improvement, I improvement, Mm -hmm. me, 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 me improvement. Yeah. It's like. I I suck. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, not not to be you know. I I can say that to myself and be okay tomorrow. I'm telling you, <laughs> but I'm just saying like I suck at that. But God is perfect, yeah, and tells me who I am, and the Bible tells us who we should be. Yes, exactly, exactly. We're and, being and, conformed and, and, to the image of Christ. Yes, Christ yes. is our model, and not some kind of thing with a category that is man based. You know, it is not. And actually, I I think putting yourself into category is such a bad idea because you really you really start filtering everything through that identity. And it's very limiting. Plus, it's false. And you may think that it's you. And there are lots of actually psychological factors why people believe that they are Enneagram type seven or Enneagram type four or whatever. And that's the same reason that people believe that they're in an Aries with their moon and libra and you know leo rising you know people were told my clients in astrology 
said how right on and accurate the chart readings were that I did for them. They were like, I'm amazed. This is so me. And I thought my chart was so me. And I was like, yes, oh, I know, I'm a double Scorpio. And I'm, you know, and I, right. I so identify with that. And that has completely, you know, with Christ, that has gone away. All of those things are so superficial and so meaningless. And they're really not true because really people are more complex. We are too complex Amen. to be put in a category. God go. is this, is a God who is just, endlessly there's you know endlessness to god he never can run out of anything and so everybody he makes is unique in their own way and at the same time those in christ are being conformed to the image of christ which doesn't really change you know we're still all unique and have our own little ways of doing things or if you want to call it personality but we're being conformed in this image there's some there's a pattern that god that you know we're being shaped into um and and which is a supernatural thing and we it's nothing we can do we can only yield to it (laughs) Um, we can hinder it or yield to it and Mm. so the enneagram is going to hinder it big time it's going to hinder it and take you in another direction yeah so we've talked about two, you just talked about astrology. We talked about Enneagram and those are two that Enneagram, I still meet people who have never heard of it, praise God. But then, you know, I encounter it being in a lot of Christian spheres. It's, it's constantly there. We've talked about astrology and, and praise to God that that one's literally verbatim listed in the word. Yes. Because when it's literally listed, people are like, okay, fine. But Enneagram's not really listed. I know. <laughs> or this isn't really listed. And I'm like, okay, I always go back and forth and I want your opinion on this because in Romans, I just went through Romans hitting me in some really great ways, but it comes down to, you know, don't squabble over, you know, if this person wants to eat all veggies and you eat meat, like if this one wants to esteem one day more holy than another to to praise the Lord, they're all praising the Lord. So go, and people will use that yes and say, well, that meant like, why are we all squabbling? Like if I want to use crystals, if I want to use um, Christian tarot. I forget what it's actually, what they call it, but the people who use like cards like tarot, but they just slap Christian on it. Yeah. And I'm, I want to know your take on where in your own life, because I think everybody has to, like the Lord has to work in each of us separately on, on where, when we speak, when we sit back, when we allow people mm. to do it, when we, when we lovingly convict, but where do you find, like, what are some indicators of like when it's clear that this isn't about how we're worshiping the Lord <laughs> But this is how like Trojan horses are being brought in and right. this is not worship at all. Right. That's a good point because people have brought up that uh, meat offered to idols thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually did a Facebook post on why the Enneagram is not um, meat offered to idols. <laughs> you know, I said the Enneagram is more like the idol. <laughs> right. It's not the meat offered to the idol because in that you know, that account in the Bible, the meat meat is a neutral substance. It's an object. Mm-hmm. It's food. Food is not evil or or um, holy in and of itself. It's just food. It's just, you know, neutral. And and so the issue there was the people who had been pagans and had worshipped false gods, knowing that meat had been offered to one of those pagan gods that bothered their conscience. They didn't want to eat that meat. And God said that's okay because it bothers their conscience, and it it was off it was actually offered to idols, 
and that bothers them for other people that it didn't bother them. And so that was a that was something they could. It was a disputable thing. You could have two views on because the actual object in question was neutral. But in this Mm -hmm. case, the Enneagram is not neutral. It's not a neutral tool. If it had come from psychology and had shown through some studies to have some merit, but then there were Christians who said, no, no, it focuses on the self or, you know, they, they said psychology should, should be avoided. So I don't want to use that. And then other Christians said, no, but it has some merit. It's helping me. You would have more of a meet offer titles issue with that. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the Enneagram doesn't have that validity and it has no neutrality. It is a spiritual tool from the new age and the occult. And that is just the bottom line. And Christians are trying to make it into a Christian tool, mm. but that's like trying to make astrology into a Christian tool. It's the right. same right. thing. And it, you can try it, but it's your, your if, even if it looks like you're succeeding, it's not valid and it doesn't honor the Lord. I think you have to look at, is this object and or practice a result of spiritual beliefs opposed to God and is its purpose a spiritual purpose that is opposed to God. So you also have to look at the nature of what you're talking about. Um, The Enneagram is a tool based on all these spiritual beliefs contrary to God and has no validity. Yoga is a practice. So now here we go from a tool to a practice. Yoga is not a neutral practice. Yoga is very, is totally aligned with Hindu beliefs the roots of yoga, which I'm reading in a secular book, by the way, by two yoga practitioners who are scholars, and they are giving all of the um, texts that go back some 2,000 years, some a little more, on yoga. Yoga was is was and is incredibly esoteric and spiritual. It was actually used by occultists. In the 1950s and 60s, they used yoga as a secret practice because at that time, of course, it wasn't very mainstream and it was considered this very esoteric practice. And it is. And even in India, they didn't start teaching yoga to anybody. You had to go to a guru to learn yoga. And the only reason it kind of got out of that was when a lot of Westerners were going to India in the 1960s and they were going to the ashrams and they were looking for spiritual teachers and these gurus popped up. Uh, They either were already gurus or others came along to teach all these Westerners because here was this big audience for what they had to say. And they so they started teaching yoga that way. And then yoga got a little more out into the mainstream. But it, it is not stretching Uh, Yoga is very specific positions and done with a certain kind of breathing. And that's all spiritual. The purpose is all spiritual. It's all about the um, what they will. Well, they have different terms for it, but the subtle body or the invisible body. And it's so complicated. What I'm reading is I cannot believe it's so complicated. I can't even summarize it except in what I just said. And so all of these practices that came about. The Hatha Yoga, which is the physical yoga that we're talking about, has to do with regulating all of this invisible energy, all for a spiritual purpose. And the different asanas or positions honor either Hindu gods or heroes from um, these Hindu mythologies. You have to stop and ask yourself, is, 
is yoga the only way that I can exercise, get more flexible, get more limber, whatever your goal is with yoga, you can find another way to do it. Right. It's yeah. not like yoga is the only thing out there. That, <laughs> right. You know, right. There's right. Like tons of, you know, there's <laughs> dancing, there's uh, bike riding, there's swimming. Right. There's either alternative stretching, you know, like there's just stretching that doesn't honor demon gods. There is. I've done some some Facebook posts on that. There are some dancers, some women who are dancers who have um, CDs and some is some of it's on YouTube who are teaching stretching for your body. And it's not yoga. They're not. Right. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I actually, again, showing my background i went with a christian sister to do hot yoga for several months oh and i had terrible terrible this was again years ago terrible terrible muscle pain for most of my life and it would relieve it for about a day but it was the most relief i'd ever gotten from anything and then all of a sudden a few weeks in i got really convicted And like you, it wasn't like anyone said anything. It's just instantly I had that same impression because I threw out my astrology books. I had invested in astrology books right before coming to Christ and I was reading them, pouring through them. And one day he just like he I I could feel the hatred because he does hate things that are not righteous. I could feel the hatred toward those books. And I just got up in the middle of the night and I threw them in the trash. Wow. I was like, they don't go to yard sale and I don't profit off selling lies. I throw them away. They're trash to me and everybody else, even if they think it's not trash. And then with yoga, the same thing, like I just stopped going because I just felt so convicted and I didn't even look up the roots. I just was like, I know this feeling. I can trust this feeling and I don't need justification deeper than God saying like just like the impression that you said. I like that word of he doesn't like it. And I walked away and now I've been mostly pain free by eating better, stretching, you know, like you you told me stretch every morning. (laughs) Done. You know, it's amazing how the Lord allows it. But then, you know, he 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 then shows you that that's that's not the way. Yeah. And and you know, Michelle, I'm sorry, I'll just say this real quick. I've had several women tell me that they were doing yoga and became convicted, just like what you said. They did. Nobody said anything to them. Um, They didn't read a book or anything, but they started feeling convicted about the yoga. They started feeling very uncomfortable with it. And I mean, a couple of them even came to me and said, I've been doing yoga, but I'm feeling real uncomfortable about it. Um, Can you tell me, you know, I think that you probably know about yoga. Can you tell me why I'm feeling uncomfortable? And so that's that's what you said. I'm sorry. So I cut Shay off. Oh, no, no. It's he just got more to ask. That's all good. I I, I am. I am in a I mean, I I, I sit here and I I look at how things became adapted into American culture. Mm -hmm. And 60s was a huge uh, dumping point for demonic impression to make its way into either you know not just but because then it was all spiritual it was all like I, I you know you hear stories about the 60s and then you you know in my day i'm i'm, I'm that kid that wanted to replicate the 60s so yes i did all of those weird things too and did all those drugs and, and thought that that is how i was going to be enlightened into the into the world but it's amazing how all of those demonic uh impressions made an impact into western culture and then western culture adapted them yeah. without really going back to the origin right and 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 and, and just watching how this goes and then now watching it from a, a Christian perspective. You know, I think maybe because I walk into Christian Christianity a little bit later in life, I, I'm like, 
no, this don't, no, this ain't right. Like, <laughs> like, like I've tried this on the other side, like you, you know, yeah. you, you, you were on the other side. It's like, I've tried these things on the other that, that's, that doesn't work. Right. Uh, only thing that worked for me was Christ. Yeah. And, 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 and I know that sometimes I answer, everybody's like, oh, that's just so generic. And so, and I'm like, no, no, but Christ is the answer. Yeah. And yeah. I think today we've, we've really been able to sum that up and, and really hear some of the origin behind just one. I mean, look, you guys have to go out. She has tons of information on her website. She has all and here at the end. We'll let you tell us everywhere that you can go. But I want everyone, you know, first John four is very specific. Oh, yeah. It's, he said, it's like, look, don't believe every spirit, mm. but test everything, whether they yes. align or from God for many false prophets. Right have gone out into the world. Yes. And exactly. and see the whole point yeah and, and the whole point Amen. of the enemy is to distract us. The whole point of the enemy is to is to put things that distract us away from the truth which is God. And and when we have those distractions, we don't get to live in that fullness that he's promised us. Exactly. And, 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 right. And so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. For for, for sure. all of your knowledge. Man, I I'm so blessed to have even been able to sit down two times now and have this these conversations. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I'm telling you, I'm walking away from it edified with more information and on some of these things that we can probably help other people with. Yeah. Yeah, and I uh I think that we've no we've unpacked some history to show just how convoluted it can get, right. but how at every like everything you brought up was another red flag. It wasn't like at any point that it wasn't red. It just mm. kept going and condemning itself that much more to yes. be against the Lord. Yes. And I've been waiting to share this analogy since the podcast started and this episode is the perfect one. And it's funny because it's it's from The Little Mermaid and I don't even watch Disney like that anymore. That's a whole other thing. But um, when I when I plan to teach my daughter how to guard herself against these Trojan horses and also prevent her, her from becoming a Trojan horse herself, I think that was a really cool um, thing we uncovered. But in The Little Mermaid, Ariel falls in love with a guy on land, she needs legs. Her daddy won't give her legs because he knows it's not best for her. So instead, she goes to a witch, Ursula. Everyone warns her against it, but Ursula can give her legs. There's a trade. She can't talk. There's a time limit. There's Once she gets on land, Ursula pulls up all these things to kind of just set her up to fail. And at the end, she ends up a mermaid again, having lost all that she built and having to deal with all of the evil this whole time. But you could argue, well, she got legs. It worked. It helped her out. And yet at the end, her dad, after all the rest, with grace, gives her the legs that she asked for, but not just legs underwater where now she has to nearly drown to get to the surface. She shows up naked and has to wear scraps from a shipwreck. He gives her a glittery gown to walk out of the ocean in to meet her husband. Mm. And that is the difference between the new age and our Lord. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's a cartoon. It's not perfect. But our Lord gives us what's best for us. Right. And it might not always be immediate, but he does offer the help and the deliverance. We don't need to turn to things that don't have him in them just because they help. So thank you so much well, for being thank here. You. Let us let us know what you're up to oh, and yes. also how people can get in touch with you. And we'll add all the links in the show notes. OK, thank you so much. Um, yes. OK, my website is Christian Answers for the New Age dot org. And if you go to the articles page, lots of articles on New Age and so good, topics yeah. on, book, on books and movies as well. I cannot cover them all. People are always asking me. 
want to have an article on this or do you have an article? I'm like, oh, I would love to have an article on every, everything, but I, I'm just one person. I write one article at a time. So actually, I'm working on another article that should be up soon on a new, uh, well, no, it's not a new age book. It's by a Christian, but very problematic. Um, so org, And if you go to the schedule page, I have links to podcasts and interviews. I've done the link for this will be up there when when that when that's ready and people can listen or watch programs there. Uh, then on Facebook, I have a Facebook ministry page, Christian Answers for the New Age. And that's just the only Facebook page in existence with that name. <laughs> so should be easy to find. If you like and follow it, then you can keep up with my posts there. Um, and I basically, I'm doing a lot of these interviews now. I'm not traveling. I did at one time travel a lot. I've sp- I spoke in 30 states for my ministry mm-hmm. and at conferences, retreats, churches, et cetera, et cetera. Now it's, it's you virtually. But actually, I have done so much in the past two years since COVID. It's almost like those have been two of my busiest years of my ministry. You know, yes. you know, I, thought, yes. I thought everything's going to slow down. I can't travel. Man, I'm telling you, the Lord yeah. just was like, you know, Marsha, you just really, you don't know yet what I can do, do you? Right, <laughs> Amen. right. Amen. And so the Lord's <laughs> been very gracious in giving me a lot of opportunities like this. And I'm more than willing to speak to churches via Zoom or whatever. And I have done so or, or groups. Um and I'm writing. I Like I said, I'm working on this mm. article. Um, then the latest book was Richard Warren, The Enneagram Secret. Right now, I'm not working on a book, and I don't know if I will work on one again. That's, I really write, would rather write articles because you yeah. can get them out there faster. And my right. whole thing is I want to get the information out. I want people to know right now. I want them to know yesterday. So... <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's like, good. it's so much quicker yeah, to yeah. divulge like, that. I just right. want yeah. to get it out there. I mean, you know, a book is probably a bigger platform, but, you know, then I do these interviews that helps. And I can't obviously write a book on every every topic. So I'm just working on that, on writing and researching. And I have many new articles on my website I put up last year. So, awesome. And let me mention one real quickly. It's on perennialism. I mm-hmm. didn't go into that, but Richard Rohr is a perennialist. And if some if people would read that article, they will see that perennial the perennial wisdom is incompatible with Christianity, mm. and that is a fine. We'll link to that one specifically. Yeah, we'll link to that. Oh, we'll great! That specific. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's yeah. something Christians need to know about. Most Christians have never heard of it, but it's something that people who follow it don't usually use that word, and so right. you don't really know that's where they're coming from. So anyway, I talk about that in the article. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you (laughs) so so much. much. You you. have given us a wealth of information. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, no, for sure. So everybody remember the pantrypodcast.com. That's where you're going to get all of the show notes, get connected, find out how you can learn more and be able to easily share this episode. So until next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Pantry Podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and check out other great shows on the Edify app and Eternity Ready Radio.